core values are what we've been talking about in this series. And uh, all of us, as individuals, all of us have these, these core values, these core principles that are just kind of woven into the fabric of our lives. And I don't know if any of you have had the opportunity to actually go through a process and identify specifically what your core values are. Uh, this past year, 2012, I had that opportunity to, to go through that process and identify what are these, these four core values, these four core principles that I live by that influence the decisions that I make, they influence um, the things that are, I'm, I'm interested in, and knowing what those are, identifying what those, those core principles, those core values are for me, um, really have brought clarity to the kind of the purpose and the passion of my life. And so it's been a, a really beneficial thing to go through that process. And we as a congregation last year also went through that process of identifying what are these core values that we hold as a congregation? What are these core principles that we as a congregation, they, they influence the decisions that we make, they're a part of the purpose and the passion that we have as a congregation, and we went through that process and we came up with seven core values that we have as a congregation, and in this series we've been taking a look at each of these core values that we have as a congregation, and uh, this morning we are looking at this core value of spiritual growth. Now before we go on, um, I just want to talk about what are we really talking about when we say spiritual growth? Because there's some assumptions that are being made there when I say spiritual growth. And uh, as we talk about that, as we are identifying what is this spiritual growth, there is the assumption that all of us have a, a spiritual element to us. And there's an assumption that as Christians, we want that spiritual part of us to grow. We don't want it to be stagnant. We don't want it to be something that is dying or with, uh, you know, wilting or withering. We want it to be something that is a part of us that is, that is growing. And so we're going to talk about really what does it mean for our spiritual lives to be growing, to be getting bigger, or another way to say that, what does it mean to mature spiritually? And uh, you're not going to, you can't open up the Bible and go to this book and this chapter and this verse where God is going to tell us specifically his definition of spiritual growth or spiritual maturity. And so I, what I've done is I've kind of compiled what I, I've identified as some key aspects to what it means to be spiritually mature. Some key things when we're talking about what does it mean to have great faith in God, what are we really talking about? And kind of three things that I've identified that I want to share with you and talk about for just a minute. And the first thing here, when we're talking about somebody who is spiritually mature, it's someone who has confidence that, first of all, there is a God. Okay? That's a good place to start when we're talking about spiritual growth and the spiritual life inside of us. We've got to come back to the fact that, first of all, there is a God. Okay? So um, spiritually mature people have confidence that, first of all, there is a God. Second of all, that this God is a personal God. Okay? That he knows your name, that he cares about you and he cares about your life, so much so that he would send Jesus to die on a cross for you. So he's a personal God who cares about you. And then the third thing, is that this God, since there is a God, and this God, since he's a personal God who knows you and loves you, um, this God walks with you every single day of your life. This God promises to never leave you or forsake you. This God promises to work out everything in your life for your good. 
And when, when we as Christians, when we have this absolute confidence that there is a God, that he knows who we are and he loves us, and that he's going to walk with us through everything and around everything, the good, the bad, the ugly of life, he's going to be there with us through it all. When we have that kind of confidence, that's what God, I think, is talking about for spiritual maturity. Now, for all of us, that's where God wants to take us. God wants us to be spiritually mature Christians. God wants us to be able to face the hardships of life which come to all of us. God wants us to be able to face those hardships of life and to be able to look at that hardship and to be able to say, you know what? This is difficult, but you know what? God is in control. And God loves me. And I don't know how this is going to turn out, but I'm okay. God wants us as, as uh, spiritually mature Christians to be able to look at the great blessings of life, the things that, you know, that are so good in our lives, and to be able to say, you know what? The reason things are going so well in my life right now, the reason the life is just so good right now, that's the blessing of God in my life right now. And so God wants all of us to be able to grow spiritually, to mature spiritually to the point where we can confidently say at any point in life that there is a God, that this God knows me and he loves me, and this God walks with me every single moment of my life. And that's where God wants to take us. Now, before we go any further, I just want to point out that all of us here today Every single person in this room is a work in process when it comes to spiritual growth. There's not a single person here today who has it all together. There is nobody who has reached the point spiritually that they can stop growing. And I just really honestly want to let you know that sometimes as a pastor, you know, you got to get up on Sunday morning and you got to be the guy up here in front with something to say, but sometimes you can feel like the least qualified person to be sharing whatever it is that God has for us to hear this morning. And I just want to let you know that my life is not any different than your life. I don't live in some separate world than the world that you live in. I don't have some kind of special contract with God because I'm a pastor where he's only going to put blessings into my life and he's going to keep anything bad or anything you know, difficult out of my life. That's not the world that I live in. And so everyone here this morning, myself included, is a work in process. And God wants all of us to be growing and maturing in our faith. Now, you might be wondering how is it that God then grows us in our faith? How does God make us more mature in our faith? And I'll just let you know that God does that in a variety of ways, okay? There are numerous ways that God can grow us spiritually. However, this morning, we're going to talk about just one way, a way that I think is probably pretty popular that God uses to grow our faith. And from my experience as a pastor, um, it, it just blows my mind, it, it just amazes me how somebody can come in and they can start sharing their life story and their faith journey and it doesn't take real long for them to get to, um, you know, this out of the blue, wouldn't have signed up for it type of event in their life. And I look at that and I hear them telling their story and I'm thinking to myself, oh my goodness, like, 
that is, that is terrible. That is, that is awful. I can't believe you had to go through that. But as they're sharing that story, as they're sharing that faith journey of theirs, they get to that point where they say, yeah, that was bad. Yeah, that was difficult. I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to go through that again. I wouldn't choose that for myself. I wouldn't wish this, what I, went through, what I went through in my life, I wouldn't wish that upon anyone else. But you know what? Looking back, I can see now that God did something in my life through those trying, difficult, painful time in my life. God did something there for my faith that I don't think he could have done any other way. God grew my faith and he strengthened my faith through that difficult time in my life in a way that I could never have imagined that God would do that. And I think we've all been there. I think we've all had those times in our lives when in the moment... We've asked the question, God, where are you? In the moment, we've asked the question, God, why don't you hear my prayers? In the moment, we've asked the question, God, where, you know, why aren't you doing anything to make this better? But looking back now, seeing from hindsight, we can see how God used that difficult time in our lives to grow our faith. And that theme, of growing our faith, that theme of growing up spiritually, that's a theme found throughout the whole Bible. Old Testament, New Testament, that's a theme that keeps coming up. And the reason that theme of us growing spiritually, maturing spiritually, the reason that theme comes up so many times throughout Scripture is because of the fact that going all the way back to the beginning, there was a relationship between God and man that was good and healthy and right, but that relationship was broken. And that relationship broke not on the basis of disobedience, okay? It's not as if God gave to Adam and Eve, um, do these ten things, and they tried, and they did nine out of ten, and God came back and said, well, I'm, I'm sorry, you didn't live up to keeping all ten of them. So this relationship that we've got going on, that's, this is just over. I'm done with that. No, that's not the basis on which the relationship between God and human beings broke. The relationship broke on the basis of trust. When Adam and Eve said to God, I don't trust you. God, I don't trust that you know what's best for my life. And so we're going to do it our way. God, we don't trust that you really do love us completely. And so we're going to do our own thing here right now. And that relationship was broken on trust. And ever since the relationship was broken, God has been actively seeking to restore with individuals Keyword, the relationship that is based on trust. And God has been actively seeking you and your life to restore that broken relationship on the basis of trust. And oftentimes, God uses the trials and the difficulties of life to grow our faith in Him. 
We're going to see that this morning from God's Word in uh, Mark chapter 9. And before we turn there, a little bit of context of what's going on. Jesus has taken three of his disciples, and they were kind of off doing their own thing. So they're, they're out of the picture, and the rest of the disciples, they're around, and a group of people have gathered, and uh, religious leaders have come out, and they're asking the disciples that are there, they're asking them questions about Jesus, and they want to know more about Jesus, and who he is, and what he's doing, and all these things. And in the midst of this kind of questioning of the disciples about Jesus, Here walks in Jesus and those three disciples, and we're going to kind of pick it up there. And Jesus is kind of literally like walking into the conversation and kind of asking the question, hey, what what are you guys talking about? What's going on? And before anyone else can answer, a particular individual has something to say to Jesus. And that's Mark 9, picking up at verse 17. A man in the crowd answered. So Jesus is like, what are you guys talking about? Man in the crowd answered, Teacher, Jesus, I brought you my son. Now, Matthew, Mark, and Luke all record this same account, and all of them share a little bit of a different uh, slant on what happened here. And it's in the Luke's account that Luke tells us that not only was this, this man's son, Luke tells us that this son was this father's only child. Okay? His only child. Now, in in this day and age, children were extremely important. Um, Among the believers, um, children were important because God valued children and God said that they were a blessing and that they were important. So believers would want to have um, multiple children or many children. Um, Children are also important because this is an agricultural society or a fishing society. And so um, children weren't really looked at as one more mouth to feed or one more tuition bill to pay. They were looked at one more person to help out with the family business. And so having multiple children and more children was something that was considered valuable. So in this society, we would think that this man would have many children. We are told that this man has one child and he's a son. Okay, going on, this son of mine, um, I brought him to you, who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of his speech. Now, that might not sound like all that big of a deal. In fact, some of you might wish that a spirit would rob someone you know of their speech. But this goes beyond just losing speech. This goes far beyond just being unable to talk. In fact, that this is an an evil spirit. This is a spirit from the devil. And what we're, we're starting to identify here is that there is a very real spiritual force, spiritual force that is fighting against us. There's a really very real spiritual force that would like to not see us mature in our faith, but in fact would like to see us shrink in our faith, would like to see our faith wither and eventually die. And so we need to be mindful of that, that that spirit is still alive in the world that we live in today. And this spirit is possessing this boy. Verse 18, whenever it, the spirit, seizes him, it throws him to the ground. He foams at the mouth, gnashes his teeth, and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they could not. All right, so I, we don't know how long this father has been searching for an answer. We don't know how, how many places and how many different individuals this father has taken this son to, this only son, this only child of his, to, to find some kind of healing, some kind of answer, some kind of solution to this challenge going on in his life right now. What we do know is that this boy is probably about 6 to 12 years old. 
And what we also know, what we're going to find out in just a minute, that this boy, since he was born, has been possessed by this evil spirit. What that means is that for six to 12 years, this father has watched his son foam at the mouth, gnash his teeth, be mute because of this spirit. For six to 12 years, this father probably anxiously has wanted some kind of solution to this trial in his life. And he's now brought his son to Jesus, brought him to his disciples, and the disciples can't help. And I don't know if this is just one more time that he's checking off his list. The disciples didn't work. Jesus, I'm not sure that Jesus is going to work either. But this man has gone through a great deal. Jesus replies, verse 19, O unbelieving generation, Jesus replied, how long shall I stay with you? How long shall I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. Now, here we start to get to the real issue of what's going on. Jesus identifies here, what's, what are we really after? What is really the issue behind what's going on here? And Jesus identifies that by saying to the crowd, okay, saying to his disciples, he says to them, O unbelieving generation. What we're really getting at here is a matter of faith. What we're really getting at here is a matter of trust and confidence in God. That's really the issue that we're going to talk about. So he goes on, he says, verse 20, So they brought, so they brought him. Jesus asked for the boy, so they brought him. When the Spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Jesus asked the boy's father, How long has he been, th- been like this? From childhood or from infancy, he answered. It often throws him into fire or water. Why? To kill him. I don't know. But I would imagine if that was my son, that I would probably be sleeping next to his bed every single night. Because I don't know the next time this spirit is going to come and take over his body and try to kill him by drowning him or throwing him in the fire. And I would want to be there to rescue my son. I don't know how many days of your life, I don't know how many nights of your life, I don't know how many seasons of your life you've spent wanting, searching, needing a solution. I don't know how many nights, I don't know how many days, I don't know how many seasons of your life you've been the one asking the question, God, where are you? God, why are you allowing this to go on in my life? But I can tell you that this father has been in that situation for six to 12 years. And now he's finally got his chance with Jesus. And so this is what he says. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. Jesus, if you can do anything, help us out. Do something to make this trial in our life get better if you can do anything. I love Jesus' response here. This is, you know, 
I just love how Jesus comes back at him. Verse 24, or verse 23, he says, If you can, said Jesus, if, if you can, if I can, if, if I can do any, I, I mean, look, I, I know you don't know me very well, but I am Jesus. I am the Son of God. I am the creator of the universe, as we read in Colossians chapter 1. If I can, really? If I can? I mean, think about that. How many times in our life, when we're going through those trials, when we're going through those hardships, and we're, we're searching, and we're grasping, and we're wanting an answer, and finally, finally we turn to Jesus, and we're like, Jesus, if you can, can you do something to help me out? And what do you think Jesus says back to us? If I can. Really, if I can? I mean, do you you not remember the whole uh, wedding at Cana thing when I changed water into wine? I mean, if I can. Remember how I I made the deaf um, hear? If I can. Remember how I made the mute speak? I mean, if I can. Remember how I cured leprosy and other diseases? Remember how I raised people from the dead? I mean, if I can. Remember how I, I calmed the storms? Remember how I walked on water that whole bit? That was kind of cool. And then I had Peter come out, walk on the water. I mean, if I can. Remember how I, was, I, I died? And then I was raised to life again? If I can. Of course I can. Of course I can. And what does Jesus go on to say? He says, everything is possible for him who believes. If I can, yeah, I can. And everything is possible for him who believes. Now, let me tell you what that phrase is not saying, because some of us, um, we hear that phrase, everything is possible for him who believes, and, and we, we can make two assumptions about that phrase. If, first of all, if I just believe enough, right, if I just have enough faith, I don't know what enough is, I don't know what believing enough is, but if I can just somehow believe enough, have enough faith, well, then God basically is going to do whatever I want, right? Everything's possible, if you believe enough, so I, this is what I want, and this is, I'm going to just believe, and if I believe enough, but obviously if God's not doing what I want, then I'm not believing enough. That's not what Jesus, that's not the paradigm that Jesus is setting up here, okay? What Jesus is saying is everything is possible for him who believes. What Jesus is saying is, look, I want you to trust me. I want you to have faith and confidence in me. And here's what's going to happen as you have faith and trust and confidence in me. What's going to happen is that this situation in your life is going to work out for your good. It might not work out the way that you want it to, but it is going to work out for your good. And everything, even this hardship right now, is going to work out. It is possible for this to work out for your good. And so Jesus is saying, I want you to trust me. I want you to have faith in me, confidence in me, that I can use something terrible for good. I can use something as terrible as being betrayed by sinful people. I can use something as terrible as being uh, abused by soldiers and nailed to a cross and dying on a cross. I can use something as terrible as that, as heartbreaking as that, to save To take away the sins of the world. And so I can use anything. The good 
the bad, the ugly, to work things out for the good of the people I love. And remember, there is a God, and He knows your name, and He walks with you every single step of the way. For this father, verse 25, when Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, He rebuked the evil spirit, You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I commanded you, come out of him and never enter him again. For this father, he got his son back. For us, we get eternal life. For us, we have this faith in a God who is so great. Do you believe that Jesus is great? And we read about that in Colossians chapter 1, that Jesus is the creator of the universe. I mean, Jesus is the creator of everything. Do you believe that Jesus is great? He is. But he is not so great that he does not know your name. He is not so big that he does not know what is going on in your life. Your life may fall apart. Your your job may fall apart. Your your relationships may fall apart. Your dreams may fall apart. And yet in Jesus, trusting in Him, everything holds together. What that means is that everything will work out for your good. And so when we're talking about growing up spiritually, when we're talking about maturing in our faith, we need to come back to this very real reality of believing in Jesus, even when we don't understand it. Believing that God will work out everything for our good. Would you bow your heads in prayer with me? Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us into a relationship with you and not calling us to a life of perfection. Thank you for bringing us into a relationship with you and not just giving us knowledge about you. Thank you for bringing us into a relationship with you because that is what we need. Father, give us the humility to recognize that we need you. We depend on you. Spiritual strength, that's what we're talking about. Confident faith. Those things don't come from our knowledge or from our consistency, but from your grace in our lives. Forgive us for the times that we have doubted you, that we've doubted your goodness. Help us to trust in you, not in spite of the trials of life, but because of them. Help us to know that, that we, have been, we have not been abandoned. Help us to hang on to you until you can finish doing whatever it is that you are doing in our lives to strengthen our faith in you. Lord God, we thank you for the ministry of Good Shepherd Lutheran Church and School. We ask that you would be with the staff there as they teach and encourage the next generation of of, uh, Christians. Give them joy as they serve, and the children um, entrusted to their care, allow them to grow not just mentally, not just physically, but allow them to grow in their faith spiritually. Help them to grow into a confident trust that you are God, that you love them, and that you walk with them every single step of the way. We also join together in the prayer you have taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, 
as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. 